Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. I hope you guys have had a wonderful summer once again. Please join me as we start our Spooktober Part 3 episode. In this first episode starring Miss Mercedes McCambridge, we find a man trapped between reality and the grave when his wife who has been dead for quite some time torments him on the other end of the line and calls him every hour on the hour letting him know how long he's got until he is dead and how long he's got to live and it is called Beyond the Grave. And in this next episode, we find a couple who has decided something drastic when the woman's husband has decided to put a phone line in his coffin with him so that when she receives the call, she knows that her husband is alive and well. But unfortunately for him, that does not become a reality. And the phone is left ringing when an old boyfriend returns from the dead and comes to visit her one day. And it is called The Line is Dead. And in this final episode, we once again return to the Inner Sanctum Mystery Vault to bring forth a woman who is just like the man in our first episode. When the tables are turned and her husband calls her, but instead of a cat it is a song that she is very familiar with and it is not until the end that she finds out who has been playing that song of her husband's and the title of this episode is called death makes a phone call I hope you guys enjoy Miss Mercedes McCambridge in the three other episodes as we start our Spooktober presentation. Just to remember once again guys to always enjoy the show and also guys just to let you know that we are going to start our Christmas giveaway to Toys for Tots once again like I did last year. I hope you guys will stay tuned and just share and like this podcast. And once again, guys, always remember to enjoy the show. Thanks. Good evening, friends. 
This is your host to welcome you again through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Come in, come in. I'm enjoying some winter sports with a couple of cold-blooded skates. Personally, I don't mind the low temperature anymore. That's because I wear a snowfall storm coat. Keeps the cold spirits out. <laughs> yes, uh, now I'm just a werewolf in a sheepskin lined shroud. <laughs> mm. Oh, him? Now, that's our photographer, Artie. Yes, he just passed out while taking a picture from overexposure. <laughs> Ready now for our excursion beyond the grave. Let me warn you, we're a bit crowded. You may not be able to get a round-trip ticket. We can accommodate you on the way out, but coming back, you'll have to double up with a corpse. The fog rolls in from the sea and begins to blanket the long, narrow island, which is joined to the Florida mainland by a bridge. In the lone house on the island, two men stand at the window, watching the mist develop into a thick gauze, obscuring the lights on the mainland. Listen, the fog is getting worse. Look, look out there. It, it's covering everything like a disgusting, evil monster. It'll lift by morning. Morning, morning. Morning. I may not be here by morning. What the devil do you mean by that? I mean, I may not be alive. What do you mean? Unless you help me. I asked you out here tonight because I was afraid to be alone. But you said before that your uh, sister-in-law, Carol, and, and her husband, what's his name, uh, Everett, would be here. Yes, Vincent, but you're my friend. You're my closest friend. For the past week, I had a feeling that death was coming here to the island. And then when the fog began to roll in from the sea, I knew it would be tonight. Arthur, you're not making sense. You've got nothing to worry about. Except for being a little nervous, you're perfectly healthy. You don't understand, Vincent. Valerie's come back. Valerie? Yes, she's here on the island. For heaven's sake, Arthur, get hold of yourself. She's and here, stop. out there, someplace in that fog. That's impossible, and you know it. It's been six months since your wife Valerie drowned. They never found her body. It, it was never washed up on shore. A drowned body isn't always found. She never went out on that boat. Of course she did. It was all settled at the coroner's inquest. No. No, there were some things that were never settled. What do you mean by that? You know Valerie. You know how strange and moody she was. Well, a great many people are moody. No, no. Not like Valerie was. She would prowl this island at night with that cat of hers always following. Everywhere she went, that cat would be with her. And on foggy nights, they'd be gone for hours. Well, that still doesn't prove that Valerie wasn't on that boat. Of course it does. Don't you understand? Cats hate water. I begged her many times to go out fishing with me. She'd never step foot in a boat. Look, this is all just your imagination working overtime. Oh, Vincent, she's come back to kill me. She hated me. From the day we were married, she hated me. On her wedding night, she flew into a rage. She scratched me. Her hand was like a claw, like a cat's claw. And now she's come back to kill me. You better stop talking. The cat kind of... disappeared the night Valerie did. Well, of course it did. It drowned with her. No. The cat's come back to the island. I heard it at night. What you heard was probably a stray cat that wandered onto the island across the bridge. What? Now, uh, I'll get it. Hello. Arthur Cameron. Yes, who's this? Listen. <sighs> you have six hours to live, Arthur. Just six more hours. It was Valerie. 
She spoke to me. What are you talking about? The cat was with her. She, she said I had six hours to live. Six hours? Here, let me have that phone. It's no use. She's hung up. Oh, maybe we can trace the call. Hello? Hello, operator. Operator. You're going to kill me. You've got to help. Now, just take it easy, Arthur. I'll get the police in a minute. Hello, operator. Operator. What's wrong? Why doesn't she answer? I think I know why. I'm afraid the wires have been cut. Come on. I'm driving you to the mainland. Can't you drive faster? With the fog as thick as it is, Arthur, I'm going faster than I should. But you've got to get me off the island. The bridge is just ahead. We'll be on the mainland in a few minutes. Say, I just remembered something. You said that Valerie's sister Carol and uh, her husband Everett would be out here to visit you tonight. Yes, but we can't wait for them. What time did they say they'd be here? 8.30. Well, it's past that now. They should drive along this road any moment. Maybe we'll meet them and then we'll... Why did you stop? We can't stay here. The bridge. If I hadn't stopped quickly enough, we'd both have been killed. This end of the bridge has been washed out. Please, let's go back into the house. She's somewhere near us in the fog here. I can feel it. I'm not going in until I find out where that phone wire was cut. I'm going to splice it together again. It's our only chance of reaching the police. It's nine o'clock. An hour has gone by already. And if I'm not out of here by two o'clock... Where is it? Look, look, you can see it through the fog. There's a strange yellow light down the road. Hmm? Why, it's the headlight of a car coming this way. A car? Yeah, quick. Behind the house here and stay out of sight. It's turning into the driveway. How could a car have come onto the island with that bridge washed out? Shh, be quiet. Somebody's getting out. They're coming this way. What? It's, it's Carol and Everett. Carol? Everett? Arthur? What in the deuce are you doing out here in back of the house? You scared me. Everett, I'm so glad you're here. What's the matter, Arthur? You actually... Uh, you... I'll tell you in a minute, but... How did, how did you get here? How do... Say, what's gotten into you? How did you get on the island? We drove over the bridge and up the shore road. How else can you get here? But how could you drive over the bridge? It's been washed out. Washed out? I saw it with my own eyes and Vincent saw it too, didn't you, Vincent? I certainly did. Oh, Vincent, I didn't know you were here. Yes, Everett, and I'm glad I am. Well, you two must be mistaken. Carol and I drove over that bridge less than three minutes ago. Three minutes, huh? Why do you say it that way? Are you sure you haven't been on the island longer than that? What does he mean? Hang if I know. Some very strange things have been happening. Arthur's life has been threatened. What? It's true. By your sister, Valerie. Don't you two know that April Fool's Day is months away? Joke all you want, Everett, but it's true. Even the telephone wire has been cut. This is the telephone. Yeah. So the telephone wire has been cut, huh? You better answer it, Arthur. Uh, I'm almost afraid. Come on, I'll go in with you. Hurry, Arthur. All right. Hello? Hello. Arthur. Valerie? We're here, Arthur. Listen. It's nine o'clock, Arthur. You have five more hours to live. This 
waiting. I can't stand it. Why don't the police come? Now, take it easy, Arthur. They'll be here. We only phoned them a few minutes ago. But something might happen before they get here. We can't just sit around waiting for them to arrive. Of course, it would be difficult to find anybody out there in that fog. But we could look around until the police got here. No, no. No, I'm not going out there. She's waiting for me. Arthur, please try to understand. It couldn't be Valerie. You don't know any of you. I can feel it. She's... She's coming closer and closer every minute. Arthur, you've got nothing to worry about. I've got this gun. And believe me, I won't hesitate to use it. Vincent, I didn't know you were in the habit of carrying a gun. I gave it to him, Everett, before you arrived. What's oh. the matter? Don't you trust me with a gun? I really don't trust anyone with a gun. Carol, what is it? There was something outside the window. A sort of face. Carol, please. Now, don't you get started on this crazy nonsense. No. It's just a swirling fog. No, I saw it. But now it's gone. I could make out the eyes. They were shining like the eyes of a... Oh, God! She's here! She's coming for me! Let's go, Everett. That came from the back of the house. No, don't leave me! Carol, you go with Vincent. I'll stay with Arthur. All right. Vincent! Vincent, wait! Arthur, I stayed with you because I want to talk about Vincent. I think it was foolish of you to give him that gun. Vincent's my friend. I trust him. You shouldn't. Why do you say that? Don't you remember how he acted at the coroner's inquest? He testified against you time and again, very subtly, to make them think you were responsible for Valerie's death. You were wrong. Vincent would have no reason to do No. It. He and Valerie were quite close before you came along, Arthur. Even after you came along. That isn't true. He even saw her the night she disappeared. You don't know what you're saying. At the inquest, he swore he wasn't on the island that night. But he was. And I can prove it. Here. Look at this. The cigarette lighter. Yes. With Vincent's initials on it. You can still see them through the rust. Where did you get that lighter? Carol and I found it in the water near the boathouse. I remember the day after Valerie disappeared, Vincent made a remark about losing his lighter. Now, do you still think he's such a friend? What? If what you say is true... You and Carol and I have got to stay together until the police get here. You're sure they're on the way? Yes, they told me on the phone it would take them less than 15 minutes to get here. Well, it may not be safe for you to wait for them here. We'll uh, go down to the bridge to meet them. No, no, I'm not going out in that fog. She's there waiting for me. Look, Arthur, you've got more to fear from Vincent than anyone. But don't come on before he returns. All right. We'd, uh, we'd better go out through the French windows. Good idea. Stay close to the house until we get to the garage. The, the fog is so thick, I I can't see you. I'm just on the edge of the gravel path. Wait. What's wrong? Arthur, stay where you are. Where are you? Something's out here near us. Don't move. Just brush against me. Oh. Run. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Don't go away, kitty. We need you for a couple of more murders. <laughs> Everett's dead, you know. That's what he gets for letting a black cat cross his throat. Say, how do you like that Valerie? She's some wife, huh? Nagging her husband right to the grave. 
The same one she's in. <laughs> well, Valerie's sore about that last phone call she made. The operator said to her, Five cents for the next five murders, please. <laughs> now let's get back to our frightened friends on that Florida island. She meant to kill me, Carol. She mistook Everett for me. Arthur, please. How is he, Vincent? He's dead. Oh, no. Everett. It's as if his throat was torn open oh, by a wild animal. I told you she was more animal than human. Oh. She and that cat, they were in here. Carol, you'd better not touch the body. Oh, leave me alone. You've done it up already. What's that supposed to mean? You know exactly what it means, Vincent. And when the police come, I'm going to tell them how you ran away from me out there in the fog. I didn't run away from you. I thought you were behind me when I came back to the house. You're lying. Just a moment, Carol. Why? What is it? The cigarette lighter that Everett had in his hand is missing. What cigarette lighter? You know the one I mean. The one that was found in the water near the boathouse. I haven't the faintest idea of what you're talking about. I have. Arthur, you'd better search him. Now, look here. If you're as innocent as you claim to be, Vincent, you shouldn't mind. All right, then go ahead and search. I will after I make this call. Whom you calling? The police. Can't understand why they haven't gotten here yet. It's almost 10 o'clock. Hello. Hello, operator. Will you please connect me with police headquarters and hurry? Do you think you've been calling the police department all this time, Arthur? Oh, yes. Valerie. We're still here. It's 10 o'clock, Arthur. You have just four more hours. Vincent? I just left him. Carol, did you know about him and Valerie? Well, yes, Arthur. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I wanted to. But after all, she was my sister. We'll have to get away from him. Yes. Well, suppose we tell him that we're going for the police. He can't have any objection to that. But suppose he wants to come with us in the car. Well, somebody has to stay here with Everett's body. Well, do you think it's safe to leave him here? If he killed Everett, he'll have a chance to destroy any evidence. We can't help that. It's safer to leave him here than to take him with us. He still has that gun of yours. That's right, I have. Vincent. Oh, uh, Forgive me for disturbing you two. I, I thought you were supposed to be outside. I was outside for a while. But I saw somebody moving around in the other room, so I came back. When I got to the other room, I found Everett's body missing. What? Gone? Everett's body is gone? Vincent, you were in that room before alone. So was Carol after I left. Weren't you, Carol? Oh, I don't remember. I may have been. You were there alone, Carol. I remember. Arthur, you walked with me to the front door. When I left the house, the body was still there. After that, I don't know what happened. But perhaps Carol does. What are you driving at? What do you think I'm driving at? You mean that I did something with Everett's body? Draw your own conclusions. I've drawn mine. How dare you imply such things? I won't listen to another word of such talk. Not another word. Well, Arthur, what do you think? I don't know what to think. I'm going out of my mind. I don't know where to turn, who to trust. You can trust me. I wish I was sure that I could. Oh, of course you can. Now, come here, Arthur. Don't you see? The one who hopes to kill you is trying to break you down first. Now, for your own sake, you mustn't give in. I don't know who's behind all this, but I do know this. It's all part of a plan to destroy you little by little. Don't you see that now? Nothing makes sense. Now, you listen to me, Arthur, and listen to me well. Because there isn't a great deal of time left. We've got to get away from Carol while there's still time, while she's not here. Why? Can't you see? She's trying to kill you. Why? Yes. Don't be a fool. Carol is the one who lied to you. She and Everett both. They intended to murder you, but in the darkness and the fog, Carol made a, a fatal mistake. 
She thought it was you she was killing, not Everett. No, no, that was Valerie in the room. A human animal was there. You saw the claw marks on Everett's throat. That could be accomplished with an iron claw. Valerie is dead. What makes you so sure of that? I know she's dead. They never drove across that bridge at nine tonight. They've been here on the island all evening. How do you know that? I know that because we saw that bridge with our own eyes. And I saw it again just ten minutes ago. It's still down. You're just saying that. Come, come on with me, Arthur, and you'll see for yourself. No. No, you're trying to get me out of the house, out into that fog where Valerie is. Will you stop being an idiot? Here. Take this gun. That'll make you feel any better. Take it and hold it in my back while we're outside. Now let's get away from Carol while there's still a chance. All right. Give me the gun. Yeah. Now, keep in front of me all the time. And I'm warning you. If you make one false move, I'll kill you. You see? Carol and Everett were lying to us. The bridge is still down. You're right, Vincent. They couldn't have come across that bridge. Of course not. The only trouble is we can't get back over it now either. But we've got to get off this island Wait somehow. a minute, wait a minute. I should have thought of it before. Your boat. I saw the motorboat after the accident. Well, what about a rowboat? Uh, there's still one of those down at the boathouse at the other end of the island. Good. Then we can row over to the mainland. Yes, yes, of course. Come on. Wait a minute. Where are you going? Back to the house for the car. Don't be ridiculous. We can't go back there now. we got to walk. All right. Along the beach here. Better walk faster than that, Arthur. Vincent, I, I have a feeling we're being followed. Ah, just your imagination. Who could see us in this fog? But I tell you that... We are being followed. I told you. Look behind us. Yes, I can see it now. It's a cat. And there's a woman with it. Valerie! We've lost them, Arthur. They can't be far behind. Doesn't make any difference now. There's the boathouse just ahead. The boat? It's not at the land. Well, it must be. You can't see it because of the fire. I can see it, isn't there? All right, then we'll hide in the boathouse till morning. You can't hide from the dead. Oh, will you please stop that nonsense? We're dealing with somebody very much alive. You've still got that gun. You can't harm the dead with a gun. Come on, we're going inside. Door's locked. I didn't lock it. This boathouse has never been locked before. All right, wait here. I'll break through the window and come around through the inside. There, just wait for me and I'll unlock the door. They're coming, Vincent. Hurry, hurry. Now, come on inside, Arthur. Better lock the door. Yes. Arthur. Uh, We're in luck. There's a phone here. Well, that's right. I forgot. Maybe it hasn't been disconnected like the other one. I'll try it. Hello. Hello, operator. Hello, Arthur. <laughs> It's 11 o'clock, Arthur. Just three more hours. Quarter or two, Arthur. You can't stay here another minute. And I can't run away anymore. Where would I go? Where would I hide? If she's going to kill me, let her come and do it. You've still got 15 minutes. Oh, my time's run out now. Well, I wanted to help you save yourself, but you wouldn't let me. I'm not going to stay here another second. Vincent! This is your last chance. Do you want to make a run for it with me? I told you it was no use. All right, then there's nothing more I can do. Goodbye. (laughs) 
Yes, Archie. I've come for you. Valerie, please. You know why I've come, don't you? Please, don't come any closer. You hated me so much. Couldn't even wait until death came to me naturally. You knew how much I hated water and how much I was afraid of. Stand where you are. Don't come another step. You despised me because I... Your bullets can't harm me. There's no way you can harm me anymore because I am dead. But I can harm you. Valerie. Valerie, forgive me. Valerie, please forgive me. I, I, I was sorry as soon as I threw you off the boat, but it was too late. I, I dived into the water to find you, but I couldn't. I tried until my lungs almost burst. Please, please forgive me. Why? Why didn't you tell the police? I wanted to live. Well, now it doesn't make any difference. You're wrong about that, Arthur. It makes a big difference to us. What are you doing back here? I was listening outside your confession. Confession? Thank you, Miss Mason. That'll be all. Yes, Miss Mason? The fog outside and this dim light in here helped her disguise. And, and it wasn't Valerie. How could it be? Valerie's dead, isn't she? And the dead can't really return. But Everett, who, who killed him? Everett? Everett's alive. Very much alive, Arthur. What? It wasn't hard for me to pretend being dead with uh, Vincent and Carol keeping you away from my body. And you, all of you were in on this together. Yes. The police couldn't help us because Valerie's body was never found. But we knew you had killed her. We just had to wait for the chance to prove it. And now you have my confession. Come on, Arthur. Wait a minute, Everett. Hello? Hello, Bennett. It's all over. Hmm. Yeah. You can hook up the wires again. And, Bennett, you'd better get to work on that bridge right away. We're making a trip to the mainland. It's an outrage. All those juicy chances for murder and not one drop of blood spilled. Uh -huh. Well, I guess that's the way it is some nights. You just can't lay away a corpuscle. <laughs> and that Valerie, what a judge she turned out to be. Didn't even have enough courage to step out of her grave. Uh, confidentially, though, the reason is Valerie doesn't like to be seen in shrouds. <laughs> oh, no, no, there's no moral to this story. Just the ugly fact that when you're dead, brother... You're dead. 
Sanctum was heard in the United States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for service men and women overseas. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Be too sure about that, Wentworth. What do you mean? Don't forget that skeleton there. He was once a man, too. Until he was trapped in here or murdered. What of it? Oh, nothing. Nothing except this. Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fear is the strongest and our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Line is Dead. of mystery and terror by radio's masters of the macabre. Our story by Bate Blau is The Line is Dead. The gash in the green lawn of Brookside Memorial Park awaits the body of Albert Lockridge, scientist and explorer. There are few who have followed him to his last resting place, for Albert Lockridge was not one who was prodigal with his affection. And so beside the yawning grave stands his wife, Lenore. Albert. <laughs> Finishing the short service, the minister says, And so, unto dust, you are now committed. <laughs> you may lower the casket. Strong hands grasp the straps attached to the coffin. The pulleys sing their discordant dirge, a strange melody heard over the soft weeping of Lenore Lockridge. Suddenly... Listen, knocking. Knocking in the coffin. Albert! Albert, we hear you. We know you're alive. Raise the casket. Raise the casket. Yes, sir. Isn't he, Dr. George? He seems to be, but... But uh, what? Well, you can't blame me if I'm a little hesitant in giving my opinion. You mean you're not sure that he'll... That he will? Yes. Oh. After all, Mrs. Lockridge, my position is a little awkward. I signed the death certificate feeling certain that your husband was dead. And now I'm naturally reluctant to predict just what course his convalescence will take. I think I understand. The only thing that really matters is that my husband's lying in his bed at home and not in the 
called Black Earth of Brookside. Isn't that true? Yeah, you're a very sensible woman. Albert will get better. Yeah, probably. But we'll have to watch his heart. His heart? Uh, these strange spells when his heart seems to stop uh, when I thought it had stopped. Each attack is an added strain. But the strain of regaining consciousness in the coffin, he withstood that with even a, when even a healthy person might not have. Oh, he's a hard person to kill. Oh, thank goodness for that. Well, this time it was a pretty close call. If he'd come to even ten minutes later, Mrs. Lockridge, no one would have ever known. Albert. Lenore? Lenore? Is that you? Albert, the doctor says you'll be fine if you'll only rest. I, I, I can't rest. I've got to ask you a question. Dear, you've been through so much, too much for any one person, so save any questions you may No, this question can't wait. That sealed envelope, Lenore, the one on my desk. The one I'm supposed to read after, after your, your... Yes, yes, after I'm dead. Lenore, Lenore, you haven't read it, have you? No, no, Albert. I'd planned to read it after... After the funeral, just as you told me to. Sure? You haven't read it? Of course. Well, get it for me. I want to see for myself. Albert, no. You've so little strength. But I must know. You will. I must know now. Because if you've read it, I don't want to live. Albert, I swear, I swear I haven't. Please believe me. You saw it? No. Look at me. You can see I'm telling the truth. Look at me. Yes. Yes, I think you are telling the truth. Well, Mr. Lockridge, another few days and we'll have you out of that wheelchair. Sometimes I wonder why you go to all this trouble with me, Doctor. It's my job. Yes, but there's so many people who really enjoy life and yet die. Twice now I've been pronounced dead, only to return to life almost reluctantly. Reluctantly? Yes. Well, you tried awfully hard to get out of the coffin. <laughs> the sheer horror of being buried alive. I've always been terrified of it. Uh, since uh, childhood? Yes. My nurse locked me in a closet whenever I misbehaved. I always thought I'd be left to die there. Oh, it's, it's not the fact of being death that bothers me. It's... Uh, it's the fear of being buried alive. It's the choking, the futility of crying out. Yes, it would be a horrible way to die, but... Excuse me, Doctor. There's a Mr. Burton here to see you, Mr. Lockridge. Good. Show him in, Nurse. Uh, nurse, take our patient out on the sun porch. I'll send his visitor there. Mr. Lockridge? Sit down, Mr. Burton. Thank you. A nurse... If you don't mind. Not at all. If you need me, just call. Now, Mr. Burton, as I understand your business... I'm a telephone engineer specializing in spatial types of telephone systems. Yes. Perhaps you've read about me in the paper. Yeah. <laughs> sure I have. You're the guy who came back from the grave. Yes, I'm the guy who came back from the grave. And it strikes me, Mr. Burton, that an occasion might again arise when I might want to do the same thing. That's why I called you. Come again? Sometime, a doctor again may pronounce me dead. Perhaps I will be. Perhaps I won't. And if I'm not, I'd like to feel that I could call for help. 
I don't get it. Mr. Burton, in case it should happen again, I'd like you to install a private telephone from this house to my grave. And, Lenore, you must promise to keep the phone installed and in working condition for a year after I'm buried. A year? Darling, that doesn't make any sense. With a stop-and-go heart of mine doesn't make any sense either. But, Albert, a year? The first time, my heart stopped for six hours. The next time, nearly two days. Who can tell? Well, a week, a month, perhaps. I think I'm asking very little. Well, then think of me, darling. Think of waiting day in and day out for the ring of that telephone. Think of the jumping at every stray bell, at every noise. Darling, you're condemning me to a slow death, like like being in a grave above ground. I still think my request is a modest one. And the least that a wife who loved her husband would do for him. Albert, don't start that again. After all, I shall be in my grave. Perhaps, perhaps I shall be waiting, too, waiting for help that will never come. Will you please stop this morbid talk? Nothing else seems to be on your mind lately. Besides, it's terribly late, almost midnight. When death comes to a man slowly, he gets time to think about it. Too much time. Stop it, please. It seems to me that you are only too anxious to get rid of me. Albert, how can you even think such a thing after... I've been a good wife, haven't I? Yes, but you might have made Oliver Wentworth an even better one. Albert, please, please don't bring that up again. What would have happened if Oliver had come back from that expedition with me? I don't know. You would have married him, wouldn't you? Perhaps. I don't know. How can you say that? You were engaged to him, weren't you? An engagement doesn't always mean marriage. You did intend to marry him, didn't you? Of course I did. What of it? You know I intended to. And you only changed your mind because he was killed. That's why you turned towards me. Well... I was nothing in your life. You were very sweet to me, Albert, then. I could see that you loved me in your peculiar way. I I, I appreciated everything you did for me. Appreciate Oh, Albert, why dig, dig, dig looking for a sore spot? It's not fair to me or to you. I was nothing in your life, was I? As long as Oliver was alive. What are you trying to prove? All the time we've spent together, I've played second fiddle to Oliver Wentworth. Look, Albert Lockridge, when we married, I said I'd put all thoughts of Oliver out of my mind. Well, I've done it. At least... At least? At least what? You mean you've tried, but you couldn't. I knew it. I knew it. You've never loved me. He's always been in your heart. What are you talking about? You just said it. If I had died, you would never have given me another thought. But all the time, here, in my own house, he's been living his own memory, haunting you, haunting us. I can't go on like this. It just can't go on. I've struggled with him long enough. He's got to go. No matter what I have to do to crush his memory, I've got to kill it. I've got... Albert. Uh, uh, Lenore. What is it? Uh, Lenore, help me, help me. There's a chair in my heart. I've got you. Now, slowly. Slowly. I I don't think I, I can make it. Of course you can. Of course you can. You've got to. Oh, but I can't. I... Albert! Doctor, are you sure? Absolutely, Mrs. Lockridge. And this time, the two heart specialists agree with me. But, Doctor, in view of what happened before... We've tried to take that into consideration. But even so... Well, can't you postpone signing the certificate? I'm sorry, Mrs. Lockridge. My colleagues and I all agree that your husband is dead. There can be no delay. Very well, Doctor. Thank you for everything. Goodbye, Mrs. Lockridge. Goodbye, Doctor. Mr. Burton, this is Mrs. Lockridge speaking. 
My husband died yesterday. He's to be buried tomorrow at Brookside. Will you please be there as he desired to install a telephone in his grave? A man who is afraid, not of death, but of being buried alive. A telephone to a sealed grave and the great beyond. Will we hear from Albert Lockridge again before the clock strikes 12 for... Murder at Midnight. And now, back to Murder at Midnight and... The line is dead. One, one minute. Oh, Dr. Bill. Uh, good evening, Mrs. Lockridge. It's awfully nice of you to call. I was worried about you. Oh, I'm all right. I'm fine. I couldn't come to the funeral. I tried to phone you, but... The phone's uh, disconnected. So they said. And so I came over. I rang the bell several times. No answer either. Finally, I knocked. I've had the doorbell disconnected, too. You mustn't cut yourself off from the world like this, Mrs. Lockridge. Believe me, Doctor, that's not my intention. But as long as I stand guard at this telephone, I want to be sure that the only bell that ever rings in this house is the one that tells me that Albert's not dead, that he's still alive there in his coffin, that he needs help. You're really going through with this? He asked me to. It doesn't seem too much. No, you're only deluding yourself, Mrs. Lockridge, believe me. Waiting this way is only a perverse and completely futile sort of mourning. I know you can't understand. I can't. But I do know that this morbid watch will only deepen your grief. Prevent you from making any kind of adjustment to his death. What difference does it make? Now, you're a young woman, Mrs. Lockridge. You have a whole life ahead of you. All the more reason for spending some of it as he wanted me to. Doctor, my husband was not the sort of person who inspired affection. I know. But in his odd, sometimes unaccountable way, he did love me. Now that he's gone, no one on earth holds any fond memories of him but me. A heavy responsibility, Mrs. Lockeridge. Still, uh, you must take care of yourself. I will, Doctor. Assume that he is dead. Mourn him, as you will, but don't live in a state of suspended animation. For instance, if he's left a will, don't put off reading it. There are some papers which I was supposed to read after his death. They're in a sealed envelope in his desk. Uh, read them. Uh, read them immediately. No, not yet. Uh, you should. Perhaps they'll contain some message of comfort. Get the envelope now. Not now, Dr. George, but very soon. Just a moment. Yes? Oh. Oh. Lenore. No. No, I can't. It is. I know I shouldn't have come, just like this, without warning. But I thought... I've always thought... That I was dead. Yes, I know. That's what Albert told me, and you... You never came back. No. Why? It's a long story, Lenore. A story you ought to hear. You know that Albert died yesterday? I know. That's why I came. Why didn't you come sooner when he was alive? Were you afraid to meet him? I was afraid to meet you. Me? Why, Oliver? By the time I returned, you and Albert were already married. But even so, we both would have wondered. I wonder. You see, I knew you thought I was dead. No good would have come of such a meeting. But now, now everything is different. Different? Yes, of course. I loved you then, 
I love you now. Oliver. I've come back for you. Oliver, you don't understand. How, how can I even think of such things today? Lenore, I had to come. I've waited so long. I couldn't wait a day longer. But can't you see? It's useless even to think about that now. He may still be alive. I know. No, but... it's not right just because you do. Not today. I was afraid you'd think so. Lenore, I wanted to avoid this, but... Now I see I must tell you. Lenore... Neither of us knew Albert Lockridge. After all, Oliver, I've lived with I him. I still don't think you ever really knew him. I never did, even though I worked with him for many years. That is, until the day we stood in the great hall of the old Aztec temple. The temple we found on that last expedition. The one from which I was not supposed to come back from. We were trying to find a door to an inner chamber. There must be an opening here somewhere, Wentworth. In every Aztec temple ever found, there was always a room near the altar. You keep ceremonial objects. I know, I know. Now, wait a minute. Hmm? Sounds like a little hollow here. Now, what about that slab on the floor? What about it? You think that it might... Certainly sounds different. If I were an Aztec priest, and I stepped on it like this... Wentworth! Went with the door. We found the door. Solid stone. And still working after all these centuries. Let's take a look inside. You got the flashlight? Yes, take the hammer. Oh, right. Uh-oh. It's not very pretty. Ah. It is a human skeleton, isn't it? Yeah. Probably trapped in here and left to die. <sighs> Ugly death. Look, Lockridge. Those dishes. Swing the flashlight over. Gold. Solid gold. There are more over here. Look, stacks of them. Fortune. We found the treasure. Now, wait a minute, Lockridge. Let's get this straight. In the first place, I don't think we'd be let out of the country with these gold plates. Oh, but we can melt them down and smuggle them out. Melt them down? Well, these things are priceless. Besides, the university sent us here. If the gold belongs to anyone, it's theirs. No one ever has to know. Oh, yes, they do, because I'll tell them. Huh? Huh. It's all very well for you to play the heroic fool. You've everything you want. What the devil do you mean? You know perfectly well. You've got all the money you need. Besides, you have Lenore. What's she got to do with it? You do have Lenore, haven't you? Oh, you act as if I took her from you. You were afraid of me. Oh, Lockwood, don't be an idiot. Lenore would no more look at you than... Oh, wouldn't she? She'd marry me if you weren't in the way. I know it. Are you fool? She's just being friendly to you because I asked her. We'll see. If you weren't around... But I am around. And as far as the gold plates are concerned... I said we'll see. After all, that skeleton there, he was once a man, too. Until he was trapped in here. What of it? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Nothing except... When I came to, I was there in the dark. Flashlight, the gold plate's gone. Left there to die. Trapped behind a stone door. Oh, no. No. When Albert Lockridge closed that door in his heart, and his twisted brain, there was only one intention. Murder. How did you get out? By luck more than anything else. I had the hammer and I knew where the stone latch was. I started chipping away at it. To this day, I don't know how long it took me, but when I finally got out, I was a sick man. Exhausted. And by the time I was well enough to travel, come home here, you were already married. 
And he told me that you'd been killed by natives. Of course, that was a lie, but... Oliver, I still can't believe that your story is completely true either. But why? A man who's been the victim of an attempted murder would see that the murderer was punished. You didn't. Didn't even try to. Well, Lenore, how could I? He was your husband. Well, why should that? Could I brand you as the wife of a murderer? Loving you as I did, as I do? I had to wait. But now let's forget this horrible past. I can't. No matter how I feel, I can't. After all, there's no proof. Lenore, don't you believe me? It's not me? just that. Don't you see? At any moment, the telephone may ring, telling me that he's alive. If I knew your story were true, perhaps I'd feel differently, but... Now my place is here. I must stay here. Lenore, please. If you feel any love for me at all... Will you go, Oliver? Please. If that's what you wish. Yes, Lenore. I'll go. But remember, I love you. I don't know why it should matter now, but I still hope you told the truth, Oliver, for then. The papers in the sealed envelope. I promised Dr. George I'd read them. Lenore, there are many things on my mind as I sit writing this last word to you. Many things which no human mind should have to bear without telling another. As I look over my life, I know now there's been an empty mind. I've never had a straightforward human emotion and acted on it. My work has been a sort of shadow play which gave my hollow existence an outward tinge of reality. No friend has really touched me, for I cannot be reached. I married you more out of perverse vanity than love. And yet, perhaps because of your loyalty, some spark of love has been kindled in me. Bear this in mind when you go out to the garden. For there, underneath the sundial, you will find a treasure of gold <laughs> which should take care of you when I cannot. I had intended to use this gold myself, but I could not because it might incriminate me in the murder of Oliver oh, Wentworth. People, People might ask have. questions, but you... <gasps> the murder of Oliver Wentworth. Then his, sto his story was true. Oliver! Oh, Oliver! Oliver! Gone. Well, he can't have gone far, and if I hurry... Oliver! Oliver! house. A man who is not dead, lying in his coffin, fighting for breath and waiting, waiting for an answer that will not come. A fitting payment for... Murder at Midnight. <laughs> Remember to be with
death stands waiting at a newly dug grave, and the clocks strike twelve for murder at midnight. The parts of Mr. and Mrs. Albert Lockridge were played by Mr. and Mrs. Raymond Edward Johnson. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leder. present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, Raymond, inviting you in through the squeaking door. Well, it's so nice if you'd come here tonight and uh, help me sit up with the corpse. Such dull company, so cold and stiff, bored with being dead. All the uh, life seems to have gone out of him. What? You say you've seen him before. Oh, no, he's not that horror man who plays in pictures. But he does look like him. So much so, in fact, you might even call him a dead ringer. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's Inner Sanctum Mystery, Voice on the Wire, is an original radio drama by Robert Sloan and stars Miss Leslie Woods in the role of Geraldine Reeves. It's produced under the direction of Hyman Brown. Use Colgate Tooth Powder, keep smiling just right. Use it each morning and use it at night. Don't take a chance. With your romance, use Colgate Tooth Powder. Romance. What is romance? Romance is the light on the path of love. But a light so delicate that even a breath may put it out. Even a breath. You'd hate that to happen to you, wouldn't you? Well, don't let a breath of trouble ruin your romance. Don't let unpleasing breath offend the one you love. I tell you what. Brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder. Because scientific tests have definitely proved that in seven cases out of ten, Colgate tooth powder instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. And let me add, Colgate tooth powder is the only tooth powder that offers proof of this fact. And then, too, Colgate tooth powder cleans your teeth beautifully. No amount of money can buy you a dentifrice that will clean your teeth more quickly and thoroughly. Remember the name, 
Colgate Tooth Powder with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. No doubt the telephone is an ingenious invention, but... Um, as far as I know, no one as yet has been able to commit murder over it. Although many people have wanted to. Still, there are worse things you can get on the phone than the wrong number. Especially if you happen to call the voice on the wire. On a long, narrow island, just off the shore of one of our larger lakes, Mrs. Geraldine Reeves, widow of the late composer David Reeves, lives alone in a gaunt, gray, shingled house. Only a few hundred yards away are the charred remains of her former home where David was burned to death in a fire just two years ago. It's after dinner now, and as the clock in the hall strikes eight... You've got to get hold of yourself, Geraldine. I can't help it, Doctor. You see, it starts every night about this time. What starts? The music. David's last composition. I hear it being played on a piano. And the notes seem to come from the old house, the house where David died in the fire. Well, perhaps someone is playing that piece on the piano. Someone on the island. No. No, there's only one other house out here, and those people are away. And the dog. The dog keeps howling all night long. What dog? I don't know. There's no dog on the island, but... David and I did have a dog. You remember? He stayed with David the night of the fire. He died with him because David was too ill to get out of bed. There! There it is again! It's amazing. That's a real dog. Somewhere on this island. Oh! Do you think so? I... Why, of course. Probably some stray got across the bridge or swam over from the shore. Well, you see, I... Oh, excuse me, Doctor. Certainly. Hello? Hello. Mrs. Geraldine Reeves. Yes, speaking. Who is this? Listen. Good heavens! You have four hours to live, Mrs. Reeves. Four hours to live. What? What did you say? Hello? Hello? What's the matter, Geraldine? The music. The same music. I heard it again. What? Over the phone. Someone's playing it on the piano. It must be some sort of a prank. No, no, no. A man spoke to me. He said I have four hours to live. Four hours to... Here. Let me have that phone. No, no. It's, it's no use. He's rung off. Well, I... we might be able to trace the call. Hello. Operator. Operator. Somebody's trying to kill me. Hello, operator. Oh, operator. What's wrong, doctor? I... I'm afraid the wires have been cut. We'd better get into my car and drive into town right away. Yes. Yes, it isn't safe for me to stay here another minute. Can't understand it. The motor won't turn over. Somebody must have meddled with this car while we were in the house. Well, try my car, Doctor. I think perhaps I'd better. Is it in the garage? Yes, yes, I'll... Great heavens, it's gone. The garage is empty. The car's been stolen. Now, 
Let's not lose our heads, Geraldine. But... We're not completely cut off yet. We can't use a car. We can still walk. But it's almost a mile to the bridge, and the road is so dark down along the water. It won't be too dark with a flashlight. We can go down through the woods to the edge of the water and walk along the shore. Oh, wait a minute. What's the matter? I just remembered. David's brother's driving out here tonight. Harvey? Yes, and his wife, Laura. They said they'd be here by 8.30, and if we wait for them, they can take us back in their car. What do you think, Doctor? That's safer than trying to make it alone. If we wait right here, perhaps we can watch the bridge and see them coming. Heaven's sake, Geraldine. What are you staring at? The bridge, Doctor. The bridge, look. This end of it's been washed out. Oh, Doctor, this is crazy, searching for a telephone wire in back of the house. If we're seen out here, there's no telling what might happen. Please, please, Geraldine. We've got to find out where that wire was cut and splice it together again. It's our only chance of reaching the police. But it's almost nine o'clock. We've wasted an hour already. If I'm not out of here by 12... Stop it, Geraldine. We... Stop it. Oh. I'm sorry. I, 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 I didn't mean to. I... What's that? It's the dog again. That confounded dog is tied up around here somewhere. No, no, I didn't mean that. I meant the light on the road. There's a strange light on the road. The headlight of a car. Coming this way. A car? Yes. Quick. Behind the house and stay out of sight. It's turning into the driveway. How could a car have come out onto the island with that bridge out? Shh. They're getting out. Oh! Why, it's Harvey and, and Laura. Good heavens. Oh! Harvey! Hello! Harvey! Oh, Harvey. Pete's sake. Oh. Jerry, what are you doing? Playing hide and seek with us back there? Oh, Harvey, I'm so glad you've come. Jerry, what's the matter? Oh, everything, everything. But, but first you've got to tell us how you got here. Why... We just drove over the bridge and on up the road the way we always do. But how could you drive over the bridge? It's been washed out. What? Well, I saw it with my own eyes, and Dr. Pricing saw it too, didn't you, Doctor? I certainly did. Oh, you must be mistaken. We drove over the bridge not more than two minutes ago. Are you sure you haven't been on the island longer than that? Well, I'm positive. Why? Well, some very strange things have been happening here tonight. Geraldine's life was threatened. Her car stolen... And mine tampered with. What? What are you talking about? Look, I'll show you. The starter in my car won't even turn the motor over. Here. Hi, George. It's working now. Say, what is this, Jerry? Have you and the doctor been taking a few pills? Did you drink too much wine at dinner? Oh, no, no. Everything he said is true. Even the telephone wires have been... I, I, I must be going out of my mind. That is my telephone ringing, isn't it? Yes, of course. Aren't you going to answer it? Well, I, I'm almost afraid to. Come with me, Harvey, will you, while I do? Sure. Hello? Hello. Mrs. Reeves? Yes? Listen. Mrs. Reeves, you have three hours to live. I can't stand this waiting, this endless waiting. Why don't the police come? Easy now, Jerry. They'll be here. 
You only phoned them a few minutes ago. Something can happen before they get here. I have a gun ready, just in case anything should happen. And I won't hesitate to use it. You have a gun, Doctor? Why, uh, yes. Uh, Geraldine gave it to me before you arrived. Oh. What's the matter? You trust me with a gun, don't you? Why, why of course. <gasps> Laura, what is it? A face at the window. I just saw a face at the window. Laura, please, you're letting your imagination run away with you. No, I saw it right there. The face of a, a dead man. Quick, Harvey, out the back way. Right. No, no, please don't leave us. We'll be right outside the window. Jerry, I'm afraid. Well, there's nothing we can do, Laura. They, they won't be far away. But I... I don't trust Dr. Prizing. You never should have given him that gun. Why not? Because... Because I think he's a murderer. Oh, yes. Don't you remember how he acted at the trial? When you were accused of starting the fire that killed David? He testified against you time and again. Subtly. To make them think you did it. Because he started that fire himself. What on earth are you saying? I'm telling you the truth. During the trial, he swore that he wasn't on the island the night of the fire. But he was. And I can prove it. How? By this cigarette case of his. Here, look at it. You see how it's charred and melted on the side where his initials were? He must have left it in the fire that night, by mistake. But he couldn't have. The police searched everything the next morning. They would have found it in the ashes. Not if it wasn't there. He came back for it that same night, as soon as he missed it, and dragged it out of the fire. He knew it would incriminate him if it were found in his possession, so he threw it into the lake as he drove home over the bridge. And that's where we found it, in the water, the last time we were out here. Oh, Laura, I hope you're wrong. I... So do I. But if I'm right, we're all in for... Laura! The lights! Somebody's cut off the lights! <laughs> Laura! Laura, where are you? Carry the door! Carry through the door! It's the face I saw! Uh, Laura! Whoever came through that door intended to kill me. Jerry, please. How is Laura, Doctor? I'm afraid I can't do anything for her, Harvey. She's passed down. Oh! Laura. Laura, darling. You'd better not touch the body, Harvey. Oh, leave me alone. You've done enough already, Dr. Prising. I beg your pardon? You'll have a lot of explaining to do when the police arrive, Doctor. I'll tell them how you ran away from me out there before the lights went out. And how you were here in this room when they went on again. Harvey. Don't say things you'll regret later on. Just a moment. Where is the cigarette case Laura had in her hand when the lights went out? What cigarette case? You know the one I mean, Dr. Prising. The gold one that was charred in the fire. I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. I have. And if you're as innocent as you claim to be, you won't mind being searched. Not at all. Go right ahead. I will. Whom are you calling, Geraldine? The police. I can't understand why they haven't arrived yet. It's almost 10 o'clock. Maybe something's happened to them on the way. Maybe their car broke down. Their car, too? Huh? Nothing. Only it seems as if your car is the only one that works when you want it to. Headquarters. Oh, Sergeant. Sergeant, I can't understand why you men aren't here yet. A murder's been committed. Do you think you've been calling the police department all this time, Mrs. Reeves? It's music. It's ten o'clock, Mrs. Reeves. You have two more hours. Oh, my God. 
Standing at this door with your ear to the keyhole? No, not exactly. I thought you were supposed to be outside, looking for that dog. I was outside for a while. But I saw someone moving around in here, so I came back. And I got here. Your wife's body was gone. What? what? Gone? Your... Laura's body is gone? I assume that it's gone. It's not where it was on the floor. But... But how could... Look here, Pricey. You were alone in this room. And so were you. After I left. Wasn't it, Geraldine? Well, yes, now that I think back, he was. Certainly. What's more, Geraldine saw me leave the house. And when I left, the body was still here. After that, I don't know what happened. What are you driving at? Draw your own conclusions. I've drawn mine. Why, you... Harvey, stop it! Stop it! I... I'm sorry, Jerry. I just... The dog again. I can't understand why you didn't find that dog, Dr. Prising. He must be right out there where the old house used to be. Well, if you think you can find him, why don't you go... Good heavens, man. What? Look. There's a fire burning out there. On the grounds of the old house. Pricing, you started that fire yourself and you're burning Laura's body in it to cover up your crime. Harvey, where are you going? I'm going to the fire, Jerry. I've got to stop it. I've got to put it off. I'm going to lose my mind if someone doesn't stop these awful things from happening. Won't anybody help us? Easy, Geraldine. The man who hopes to kill you was trying to break you down first. It's part of his plan. Here. Take a sip of this brandy. It'll help you. All right, thank you, Doctor. I... What's the matter? Oh, nothing, really. I just don't care for any brandy just now. What's wrong with it? Well, I, I, I didn't say anything was wrong with it. I, I just don't... You fool. Do you think I'm trying to poison you? I don't know what to think. Here. Give me that brandy. I'll drink it myself. <coughs> there. Believe me now? I don't believe anyone. Listen to me, Geraldine. I'm the best friend you have in the world right now. You've got to understand that. Because there isn't much more time. We've got to get away from Harvey while he's still out there. What do you mean? Can't you see? He's trying to kill you. That's a lie. It isn't, Geraldine. Harvey's the one that's lied to us. He and Laura both. They intended to kill you when the lights went out. But in the darkness, Harvey made a fatal mistake. He thought it was you he was strangling, not Laura. I won't believe it. It's the truth. They never drove across that bridge at 9 o'clock tonight. 
They've been here on the island all evening. How do you know? Because we saw that bridge with our own eyes. And I saw it again just five minutes ago. It's still down. You're lying. Come out and see it for yourself. You're just trying to get me out of this house. Stop being such a fool. Here. Take this gun. If it'll give you any security, take it. And hold it in my back while we're out there. But for heaven's sakes, let's get away from Harvey while there's still a chance. All right. Give me the gun. Here. Now you keep in front of me all the time. And I'm warning you. If you make one false move, I'll kill you in cold blood. You see? Harvey and Laura were lying to us. The bridge is still down. You're right. They couldn't have come across that bridge. Of course not. The only trouble is, we can't get back over it now either. We've got to get away, Doctor. Now, before we're seen. What about that house at the other end of the, the island? People are away. But they might have a boat. Yes, of course they do have a boat. We can row to the mainland. Come on, quick. All right. I have a feeling we're being followed. It's your imagination. Hurry, Geraldine. Hurry. We are being followed, Doctor. Look behind us. There's a man with a dog. Good heavens. It's just like the dog you owned. The one that died in the fire. Yes. And the man. It's Dave. We've lost them. Lost them in the woods. They can't be far behind. It doesn't matter now. The house is just ahead. But the boat, Doctor. The boat's not at the landing. It must be. Well, it isn't. Can't you see it isn't? Perhaps it's around and back. No, that side of the house faces the road. Then we'll have to break in and hide here until morning. Our best chance is to be inside. Where we can protect ourselves. After all, you still have a gun. But I hardly know how to use it. Then give it to me. No. You still don't trust me, do you? I don't know, Doctor. But I'm the one who's been threatened... So I really should have the gun. Very well. Wait here. I'll break through the window and come around on the inside. Did you hurt yourself? No. I'm all right. Just wait there for me and I'll unlock the door. Oh, hurry, doctor. Please, hurry. They're on our trail again. Come inside, Geraldine. Quickly. And lock the door behind you. What's wrong, doctor? Nothing's wrong. We're in luck. There's a phone here. If it hasn't been disconnected. Hello. Hello, operator. This isn't the operator. Tell Mrs. Reeves it's 11 o'clock. She has one more hour to live. leave this house. I'm not going to run away any longer. If they're going to kill me, let them come here and do it. Only for heaven's sakes, why don't they do it right away? Why don't they come here and get it over with instead of waiting until 12 o'clock? Uh, Geraldine, please. Well, I can't stand it any longer. I'd rather die than go through any more of this torture. Uh, I just... Uh, sit down for a moment. Relax. And try to ease your mind. Oh, for... Dr. Prizing, what are you doing? Playing the piano. I thought it might relax you. But that melody. You. You're the one I hear at night playing David's music. 
saying it right here in this house. Yes, Geraldine. I've rented this house to protect you from David and the dog. Well, stop it. Stop playing that piece. Stop it. Now, stay where you are. Stay... Don't, don't be afraid. I won't harm you. As long as you have that gun. But the gun won't stop David. David's dead. Is he? Listen. He's right outside the door. And in a moment, he'll be here to take you with him. No! of everything you've done. Stop! You killed me, didn't you, darling? You started that fire because you knew I was too much of an invalid to get out of bed. Stay where you are! You hated me, Geraldine. Stop! No. Your bullets can't harm me now. Nothing you can do can harm me. Because I'm dead and you're still alive. Oh, David... David, forgive me. I, I didn't know what I was doing that night. Please, please believe me. I was sorry as soon as I started that fire, but it was too late then. I couldn't put it out. I, I couldn't. How dare you? How dare you ask my forgiveness when you're still lying? But I'm not lying. I'm not. I, I told you everything. Why didn't you tell the police? Because I wanted to live. You'll confess everything now? Yes, David. Yes, yes, I will. If you'll only leave me alone, please. Please. It was my cigarette case Laura found in the water. I'd thrown it over the bridge that same night after I took it out of the fire. Well, I, I guess that's all we need, Harvey. Full confession with two witnesses. Harvey! Yes, Geraldine. I do look like my brother in this dim light. And the dog Laura's holding outside is the same breed as the one you own. Laura! Laura! Did you say Laura was alive? Very much so, Geraldine. It wasn't hard for me to pretend being dead. With the doctor keeping you away from my body. Then you were all in this together. You forced this confession out of me. Yes, Geraldine. The blank cartridges Dr. Pricing slipped into that gun of yours really turned the trick. Oh, excuse me. Hello. Oh, hello, Inspector. Yes, it's all right now. You can hook the wires up again. She's told us the truth. And you'd better get to work on that bridge right away. It's uh, still down. What an outrage. All those opportunities for murder and not a drop of blood spilled all night long. Oh, well. Some days you can't lay away a corpuscle. And now... Uh, a moment while our Colgate voices bring you a message. Use Colgate tooth powder. Keep smiling just right. Use it each morning and use it at night to help you rate with every date. Use Colgate tooth powder. Tell me, do you really mean it when you say, I want to be alone? Or are you just pretending that you don't care about dates? Could it be that a little breath of trouble has cooled your romance? A little breath? 
what a pity to let unpleasing breath ruin your romance. Why not brush your teeth night and morning and before every date with Colgate Tooth Powder? Scientific tests prove that Colgate Tooth Powder, in seven cases out of ten, instantly stops unpleasing breath that originates in the mouth. So use Colgate Tooth Powder for all it's worth. Enjoy its exciting cleansing results, too. No amount of money can buy you a dentifrice that will clean your teeth more quickly or effectively than Colgate Tooth Powder. Remember the name, Colgate Tooth Powder, with the accent on powder. Don't take a chance with your romance. Use Colgate Tooth Powder. Well, it's time for me to join the moonbeams now. But before I leave under a cloud, before I'm missed, I thought I might pass on the moral of tonight's story. If you must light a fire under your husband's bed, be careful where you drop the ashes. By the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is Puzzle for Puppets by Patrick Quentin. Well, now it's really time to close that there squeaking door until next week when Colgate Tooth Powder brings you another Inner Sanctum Mystery. So until then, good night. Pleasant dreams. Huh? Latest reports from doctors on the 14-day palm olive plan. Kansas City reports better complexions for 93%. New Orleans reports better complexions for 97%. In city after city, doctors tested the 14-day palm olive plan on all types of skin. And two out of three of all women tested got better complexions in 14 days. What is this 14-day palm olive plan? Wash your face three times a day with palm olive soap. Then each time take 60 seconds more to massage palm olive's lovely soft lather onto your skin as you would a cream. Then rinse. This cleansing massage with palm olive's lather brings your skin its full beautifying effect. See what palm olive can do for your skin in 14 days. Remember, doctors prove palm olive's beauty results. Remember, another Inner Sanctum Mystery next Wednesday night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Guys, that does it for my first episode on Spooktober Part 3 and Death Makes a Phone Call. If you enjoyed it, please comment and subscribe. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms such as Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcast. Please join me this coming Friday as I bring... Back to the show, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. And then join me next week, guys, as I bring something to chill your spines. And the title of that episode is going to be called Death is a Tormentor. Then join me in the coming weeks as I bring such stars as Phil Harris and Alice Faye, 
Miss Agnes Moorhead, and many others to the show. And then join me Halloween night, guys, as I bring to the show Dracula. I hope you guys will enjoy Spooktober Part 3. And just to let you know, guys, we are doing our Toys for Tots fundraiser. So the more listeners I have, the more money will go to help kids who are less fortunate than every other kid. Help us make little kids' wishes come true this Christmas. And all the money that I receive will be donated to Toys for Tots on December the 1st. Let's help make December 25th magical for every kid in America. I hope you guys have a wonderful night. And always remember, guys, to enjoy the show. Thanks.